If what you say about your husband to others or to him or to yourself determines what you see, then you recognize you rob yourself of the husband you respect if you do not give him respect. So glad you joined us for today's Unlimited Grace, the audio broadcast ministry of pastor and author Brian Chappell. In today's lesson, Pastor Brian is joined by his wife Kathy in the second half of a message from Ephesians 5 and the role of godly wives. This message was first shared early on in the COVID-19 pandemic, and the chapels took this time to share a series of lessons on marriage and parenting. You can find this lesson and many others when you visit unlimitedgrace.com. And while you're there, look for Pastor Brian's new book, Are We Living in the Last Days? With a balanced biblical explanation about the book of Revelation and Christ's return, Pastor Brian will help you understand the hope that unites all Christians. Let's hear now from Dr. Brian Chappell, who's joined by his wife, Kathy, as they share the second half of the lesson, Godly Wives. We need to talk about the dignity of these words that the Apostle Paul is writing in his own cultural context. Take it away from our cultural stereotypes of the moment and actually identify what the Apostle Paul is talking about in his own context. You must know that in the Greco-Roman world to which Paul was writing, men and women in this time, a woman had no rights. She was property of her husband. She simply could be used and abused by him with no consequence to the man. And it was in that context that Paul is saying to the man, love your wife as much as you love yourself and give yourself for him. And to the wife who was experiencing that love to say and support your husband with the very gifts you have been given. Kathy, one of the more recent books that's very challenging for Christians, but rightly so, is the one by Rebecca McLaughlin called Confronting Christianity, the largest religion in the world. And she gives a whole chapter to this question, doesn't Christianity denigrate women? And she answers it honestly in the context of the biblical era. So what does she write? A wide array of resources shows that the early church was majority female. And this is particularly striking given the cultural realities of selective infanticide of baby girls and maternal deaths in childbirth. So what made the early church so attractive to women? Ms. McLaughlin writes, The status of women was raised in the Christian church Paul's inclusion of nine women among his ministry partners, Jesus' use of the testimonies of women, and his honor of the devotion of women. Roman culture of the day had no such regard for women. Roman families often gave their pre-adolescent daughters away in marriage, but Christians did not. Christian women also benefited from Christian condemnation of the cultural male prerogatives of divorce, incest, infidelity, and polygamy. The Christian expectation that men be faithful to their wives and sacrificial in love for them would have seemed radically unreasonable in New Testament times. Now, that's remarkable. What Paul has instructed 
men in the way that they treat women would have been radically unreasonable to the thought of men in that Roman culture. And so the church was attractive to women because it was elevating them. And to this day, there are more women than men who are Christians. And you say, how could that be if, if the church is actually just slamming women and enslaving them? Why is that even to this day, when women really understand what Christ is saying, that there are more women than men in the church? And the answers become fairly clear. Christianity flips the script on the marginalization of women and gives them equal status from the very beginning, both men and women made in the image of God, was the declaration even of Moses from the very beginning. In verse 31 of this passage, husband and wife are one before the Lord. The apostle Peter will later say to husbands, honor your wives as heirs together with… Now, think of that in Roman culture, heirs together with you of the grace of life that God has provided through the gift of Christ. There's this wonderful understanding of the church valuing women as they are expressing their gifts for the sake of another, particularly in the context of the home. But if, if what we are doing in displacing male selfishness is simply replacing it with female selfishness, then you must know there is no dignity in that. So just as the apostle has instructed men to give themselves for their wives as they lead their homes, so the apostle Paul is taking care to say to women, as you express your gifts, this isn't just about selfishness. There is is no place that you are not to be expressing Christ's goal for another in the way that you live. So he begins to explain in the same passage the reach of a godly woman's responsibility. Verse 24, he says, wives should submit in everything to their husbands. No one gets a a little pocket of self-promotion. No one gets a little closet of hidden selfishness that would ultimately rob them of the dignity that Christ intends as someone is following his example and walking his path. And, and beyond this reach of in everything, live for Christ's purposes in the life of your husband, there is this further understanding of the redemptive nature of the calling that Christ gives and Paul expresses here to women. Now, it may be hidden in the wording, but we need to see it carefully in verse 22. Paul says to women, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, that's not simply saying as though he is the Lord. Rather, it is saying this, as though you are doing the Lord's work in how you live. In Colossians, the following book in the Bible, it's exactly what it says, work as unto the Lord, not as unto men. It is the understanding that that what you are doing is for ultimately the Lord's sake. As you live, you're not doing it primarily for your husband. You are doing this to honor the Lord in the way that you live. Now, that is absolutely crucial to understanding what the apostle says for, for at least two reasons. First, if you are submitting, 
giving your gifts in full expression for the sake of another, you must understand if that is done for God's purpose, no godly woman can be required to approve what is clearly against God. Now, at the minimum, that means that submission cannot be used as a reason to make a wife do what is evil. It also means that it cannot be used to make a woman silent when there is an abusive relationship going on toward her or to their children. Nor can it be used to say a woman can never confront a husband who is involved in foolish and self-destructive behavior. Why? That would be against the purposes of God. Against all the cultural stereotypes and the church stereotypes, a woman who is fully expressing herself for the sake of her husband, for the sake of her family, may actually at times have to respectfully, lovingly, and yet honestly challenge a husband to say, is this what God intends? Because her calling is to express her gifts as to the Lord. That also means not only is a godly woman not required to approve what is evil, it also means that she is ultimately, while serving for the Lord's sake, not living this way because of the man's deserving it. To simply say, I'm, I'm going to submit because my man deserves it. And, and if he doesn't deserve it, then there's no obligation. No, this is as to the Lord, not because the husband deserves it this way. You're listening to Unlimited Grace, the audio broadcast ministry of pastor and author Brian Chapel. Our world is shaking with news of wars, economic uncertainty, natural disasters, social unrest, and personal tragedies. Now many Christians are wondering, are these the end times? No one seems to be able to handle a world seemingly spinning out of control. Are these the end times? Or is there to be no end to the madness of war and the sadness of a broken creation? The Bible answers with the certainties and comfort of God's Word. Pastor Brian will help you understand our times in his new book, Are We Living in the Last Days? This careful look at the major views of end times prophecies and the book of Revelation is written to comfort our hearts and strengthen our faith. Jesus promised us peace of heart in a troubled world, and you can understand and anticipate that peace through the assurances of God's Word in Pastor Brian's new book, Are We Living in the Last Days? You can request your copy of Are We Living in the Last Days when you go online to unlimitedgrace.com or by calling 844-41-GRACE. That's 844-414-7223. And now, more from Brian Chapel on today's Unlimited Grace. The redemptive purpose of a godly wife ultimately helps explain why the last category of what we will describe here is the desire of a Christian woman. If you recognize that she is ultimately honoring a divine calling in the way that she lives, the last piece of God's instruction actually involves her desire. 
not just duty, not just dignity for her alone, but what do we fundamentally understand is the desire of a Christian woman. It's, it's not just to live a life that is distasteful and detestable, but do it anyway because it's her duty. Perhaps Mother's Day is, is by God's blessing and design, a wonderful time to discuss this. I mean, it's a great time to think about a mother's desire. On Mother's Day, we could talk a lot about the duty and the dignity of a Christian woman and mother. And we could say, of course, that there are obligations of being a Christian mom. But this we know as well. There are lots of days when the kids are not deserving of that love, when they are arguing and they are exhausting and they are deserving nothing but a 12-hour timeout and a bowl of gruel before bed. And yet the mom who knows all of that who did not enjoy that day one bit, still deep down, further in, has a desire that never wavers. And that desire is to be there for her children, to support them, to build them up in a way that God's purposes and grace are ultimately fulfilled in their lives. And that is ultimately the the kind of way that God is speaking to women in this passage. There is a desire that ultimately comes to respect a husband, not just because it's duty, not not just because it's a responsibility. Why ultimately does every woman desire to respect her husband? Because she desires to be married to a man that she can respect. (laughs) That's what every woman wants. She wants to be married to a man that she respects. And so verse 33, this passage Ending with the instruction to husbands and wives does tell men again, love your wives. But it says to woman, let the wife respect her husband. And that is not just an arbitrary demand. The biblical principle is this. You get what you give. If you give respect to your husband, you have a husband that you respect. When you say about your husband things that are distasteful and discrediting and disrespectful, that is actually what you think about your husband. What you say is what you ultimately see. If what you say about your husband to others or to him or to yourself determines what you see, then you recognize you rob yourself of the husband you respect if you do not give him respect. Now, we have seen how this happens, and sometimes it has surprised us why it is so common in the world how women who actually desire to respect their husbands often are so consistent in disrespecting their husbands. Kathy, why have we seen that happen? When Brian and I were newly married, we lived in an apartment building with paper-thin walls. So everybody kind of knew everybody's business. And the couple in the apartment next to us would have just awful fights. We would listen to it begin with yelling and then escalate to blows and chokeholds. 
And then we would find some excuse to knock on a door and ask to borrow something or make a telephone call to interrupt the fight. And by the way, he was a minister, and often their fights were about who can who be was the best, the best who was witness. the best witness. <laughs> One night, as the fight began to build, I turned to Brian and I said, "Why does she taunt him like that? She knows he's going to hit her next." Now we were we were young in our own family, and we were young in our own ministry, and and we did not understand why why she and many wives, even in abusive relationships, will seem to taunt their husbands. And we have learned over time. Just as a man will often use his physical strength to dominate a woman, to get control in the relationship, so often a woman who has better verbal skills will often seek to diminish her husband in order to get control of him. She'll disrespect him. She'll speak in such a way that he begins to have some self-doubt. He begins to be uncertain. And that, that disrespecting is what makes him disregard himself, question himself. And it's how she gains a little control over what may be an abusive or difficult man, or maybe it's just a weak man. And so she is asserting herself by disrespecting him. The Apostle Paul, speaking for the witness of the Lord Jesus, is not going to allow either power play. He says to men who might be tempted to exert physical strength or mental domination of some sort, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And to wives who might seek control by disrespecting or diminishing their husbands, he says, respect your husbands, the final word. Respect your husbands in the Lord. Now, surely that can be hard. We all know that. But it actually gets harder if you look at the word. There's a catch here. To say to a woman that the the core of your desire is to have a man that you respect. And so respect your husband. What's the problem with that? Because the word is not only translated as respect. Respect. If you go in this very passage and you look a little higher where I actually began our our scripture text today, verse 21, that we are all called to be submitting to one one another out of reverence for Christ. That word reverence is the same word that the apostle uses down in verse 33 to talk about the obligations of women to their husbands. Husbands, reverence your, excuse me, wives, wives reverence your husband. Now, what I know and every wife knows is no husband deserves that. No husband deserves reverence. So, why does the apostle use the words? Because he's reminding us that the reverence is not for the character of the man as he is expressing it. It's dealing with a flawed man. We are all sinners. None is righteous. No, not one. It is reverencing the purposes of God for that man. Every husband is going to ultimately call to count before God to give an accounting for the way that he has spiritually led his home. And the reverence that a woman has is for God's purpose in that man's life. And therefore she is called not not just to respect, but even reverence the man, not because he deserves it. He does not. 
He is a flawed creature. The reality is, however, that that when a man knows that he is respected, he tends more to act according to the purposes of God. Just, Just plain talk to our family and friends here at Grace. Men are wired to need respect for fulfilling the purposes that God has put in their lives, whether it's occupationally, relationally, in their families. We are wired to need respect. And and if men do not receive respect from their spouses, they will get it from somewhere. And that can lead to great sadness. And so the apostle just speaks plainly. Men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husbands because of the calling that God has put into their lives. And Kathy, we've been surprised maybe how long it takes for us and others we know to have this truth sink in. The men on the Board of Trustees of Covenant Seminary, where Brian was the president for a number of years, were godly men with wonderful and godly wives. At a roundtable a number of years ago for the young wives of seminary students training to be pastors, one of the trustees' wives shared a difficult but dear truth. She said, I always thought my husband got all the approval and respect he needed from his work. He's a leader in the community, highly respected. But it wasn't until our kids were grown and we were finding our way back to one another as empty nesters that he told me that the one person in the world from whom he needed respect was me. I don't know why I didn't figure that out sooner, but now our marriage has never been better. The Bible includes these words so that wives don't have to wait to find that out. You know, there have just been times in my ministry dealing with difficult issues or difficult relationships that I have felt I had no respect from anyone in the world except Kathy. And that makes all the difference to the one that the Lord has put in my life to be one with me and heir together with me of the grace of life, the one that God has sent to complete me, that she respects me. And so much of what I feel about where we are in life, the strength that the Lord has given and the ability the Lord has given to be in the various positions that we have had is because I have felt that unwavering respect from Kathy even at times when I did not deserve it. It was her gift to me as God made her a gift to me. The way that we immunize our marriages against stress that can just tear us apart is with husbands who are spiritually flawed, giving themselves for the sake of their wives, and wives who know their husbands are spiritually flawed, who are unwavering in their respect for the calling that God has given those husbands and express their gifts for the sake of the one that God has given them to love. Some of us husbands, we are so flawed that we must confess it must be like dying for our wives to offer us respect. So why should they do it? Because of the man who died for them. His name is Jesus. Wives, because you love 
him and the power of his grace. I encourage you to live and express your gifts for the man in your life whom Christ died for too, so that Christ's witness and word would be known to the one that you most love. And as you love him, it would be known to the world who needs to know Jesus too. That's Pastor Brian Chapel, and you've been listening to Unlimited Grace. If you've missed anything that you'd like to hear once again, just visit unlimitedgrace.com. Please be sure to join us next time as once again we endeavor to put Christ at the center of our efforts so that lives might be transformed by His unlimited grace. This ministry is brought to you by Unlimited Grace Media and continues to be made possible with your generous financial support.